What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the program. Zana Kernodal's mother, as we all know, has struggled with a drug addiction for quite some time. And now she has given a new interview to the Daily Mail, and she did this from behind bars, where she is now serving another bid due to her addiction to drugs. And I know there's a lot of people out there with a lot of strong opinions about people with drug addiction. And I'm right there with you. You have to have some self-responsibility. You can't blame society. You can't blame this one or that one. At the end of the day, you're the one who takes these drugs. And no matter what excuse you want to give yourself or anybody else, the fact remains that it's a choice that you're making to put those drugs in your body. Now, the drug addict will tell you, Well, they can't stop because they're going to get sick. And that's the justification that they'll continue to use while they're using these drugs. And these addicts are so caught up in their addiction that they truly believe that. They believe that they have to have these drugs, and if they don't have them, they will die. And what's even more painful for a lot of these people who are coming off of drugs is dealing with the reality of all of the bridges you have burned and all of the people that you loved that you treated like shit that you stole from, that you lied to. So people, they spiral into depression, and what do they do? They use drugs again. So it's a vicious cycle, and one that some of these folks who get addicted to drugs find impossible to break. But with all of that said, at some point, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and realize that nobody's going to make you get off of those drugs. If you really want to get off those drugs, you have to do it yourself, and it's not an easy job. Every day it's going to be a battle. There's going to be a lot of doubt that creeps in. And hell, you're probably going to fall off the wagon a time or two. But if it truly matters to you, and if you truly want to get sober, you will find your way through that darkness and come to a place where you realize the way you were living is not the way any human being should live. Today's article is from the Daily Mail. Headline. It's the worst place to be when you're going through something like this. Mom of Idaho victim Zana Carnodal is languishing in jail on drug charges and suffering from withdrawal after daughter's brutal murder triggered a relapse. This article was authored by Sean Cohen. The mother of University of Idaho mass murder victim Zana Carnodal is locked up in jail on drug charges having spiraled into a relapse following her daughter's killing in November. Kara Northington is now struggling to stay sober with no contact from her two surviving children, DailyMail.com can reveal. And unfortunately, for a lot of these drug addicts, they're the ones who destroy these relationships with their loved ones. Like I stated earlier, whether it's lying, stealing, whatever, people who love you and they see you destroying yourself They have to remove themselves from that situation if you're not willing to do the work to help yourself. And I know I've had to do that several times in my own life, and it's painful as hell. But at the end of the day, the only person that's going to continue to get hurt is the person who is sober in this situation. It's the latest in a series of tragic events for the troubled 43-year-old who is being held at Kootenai County Jail in Coeur d'Alene, 66 miles from where 20-year-old Zana, her boyfriend, and two housemates were slaughtered on November 13th. She has been in custody on drug charges since February 24th after spending three weeks locked up 30 miles west in Spokane, Washington, 
where she had been staying in a ratty motel and strung out on fentanyl and methamphetamines. So she's on serious drugs, right? I mean, we're talking about fentanyl and methamphetamine. Two of the worst drugs on their own. Never mind if you're doing them in combination with one another. That is definitely going to make your mind turn into absolute goo and turn you into an absolute drug addict and probably suffering from psychosis. When you see those people walking down the street, throwing karate kicks and talking to themselves and being overall dangerous, most of those people are suffering from psychosis due to this new methamphetamine that's being just pumped into this country. And these people who are addicted to it, they're literally walking around like the walking dead. Northington is now confined to a cell with three other inmates on bunk beds at the facility, where she only has daytime access to a TV, often airing news about the savage killings, all while she undergoes drug withdrawals. It's an effing nightmare, the grieving mother cried during an exclusive phone interview with DailyMail.com from behind bars. It's a living nightmare. At night, she said she can barely sleep as she replays the massacre in her mind and wrestles with personal demons. This is the biggest problem for relapse right here, folks. This is what I was just talking about. When she's laying there at night and that light goes out and it's only her, that silence, and a lifetime of regrets, that's a real bad place to be for anybody, never mind somebody coming down off of drugs. Her time behind bars has also forced her to go through a painstaking withdrawal with staff providing her with nothing more than ibuprofen and Gatorade to soldier through. That's all they gave me, she said. It was awful. Absolutely awful. Absolutely terrible. On top of everything else. Unfortunately, jail is not the greatest place to try and dry out. But there's a lot of people that end up in jail for drug-related offenses that have to go through the same thing that Karen Northington had to go through or is going through right now herself. And that's just the way it works in jail, unfortunately. Jail is not the place to go and dry out. When you want to get sober, you do that while you're a free person and you can seek out the help and the resources that you need to do it the right way. But she noted the one thing that keeps her going is not wanting to disappoint Zana and her two surviving children, daughter Jasmine, 22, and teenage son, Elijah. They are my strength, she said. It's one thing to lose a child. But when you still have two really great children, you have to pull it together for them, you know? And I really, really hope that this will be the springboard that gets Kara Northington to realize and understand that she truly is at rock bottom. And if now is not the time to get sober, then it's probably never going to happen, unfortunately. Northington has struggled with drug abuse throughout her adult life and suffered the consequences. Repeatedly arrested and jailed while alienating her own family. She and Zana's father, Jeff Kernodal, divorced in 2005. She told the DailyMail.com that she was clean before the attack, working as a waitress and striving to make fresh inroads with her children. She was planning to meet Zana for lunch in late October, but said she had to postpone because she had a court hearing that ran late. Zana, her boyfriend Ethan Chapin, and housemates Madison Mogan and Kaylee Gonsalves were butchered in their off-campus rental home during the pre-dawn hours of November 13th. She was a light in this world, you know, Northington told DailyMail.com. She was just so funny, she could make everybody laugh. You send your kids to good schools, and you think they're going to be safe there. 
You don't ever think they're going to be murdered. You never think that's going to happen to you, she added. I relapsed after my daughter's killing. Then four days after that, I got picked up on new charges. And guess what? It probably saved her life. Her getting picked up probably saved her life because the way she was spiraling, let me tell you what, that rock bottom, that was coming quickly and it's not a pleasant landing. That was on November 19th when police in Kootenai County charged Northington with two counts of felony drug possession. Out of mercy, authorities released her so she could attend a memorial for her daughter on December 2nd at Real Life Ministries in Post Falls. A, shout out to the authorities who let her leave to go and do this. A lot of times, facilities won't let people leave. So that's a, a pat on the back moment for the facility for sure. Try Love. Out because of what happened. So I could attend her funeral and everything, she said. And then I didn't go to my next court date because I was still getting high. And that is her fault. She was given mercy. She was shown mercy. The court granted her uh, a kindness here. And, of course, the drugs got in the way again. She was irresponsible, and she had to go and scratch the itch. Soon after, a warrant was issued for Northington's arrest. She went off the grid in Spokane, but still couldn't escape the news. The University of Idaho massacre had become a national true crime obsession and the subject of nonstop media coverage. Police arrested Brian Koberger, a Ph.D. student in criminology, at nearby Washington State University in Pullman on December 30th, a revelation that was particularly startling for Northington, whose older daughter Jasmine is a senior who is studying marketing there. And when that news came out, that was a bit jarring, right? Imagine you having your sibling murdered in cold blood like this and being on the same university campus as the alleged killer. That has to be a bit disturbing for the sibling for Jasmine. Northington has not only had to deal with the consequences of her drug addiction and the pain of losing a child, but the media frenzy that has dragged her into the spotlight as well in recent weeks. In January, the mom appeared on News Nation, where she publicly blasted the fact that Jasmine was allowed to continue her studies at WSU alongside Koberger, even after he was identified as a suspect, but before his arrest. She also reacted to reports that Ann Taylor, the lawyer defending her on drug charges, had dropped her to represent her daughter's accused killer. I am heartbroken, said a semi-coherent Northington, speaking to host Ashley Banfield. I trusted her. She pretended that she was wanting to help me and to find out that she's representing him. I can't even convey how betrayed I feel, she added. And that's on Banfield too, right? If you have somebody who is barely even coherent, you should probably forego that interview. You shouldn't exploit somebody while they're high or messed up or whatever just so you can get more clicks. The lawyer would later explain that her name appears in nearly every document filed in Kootenai County criminal cases because she is the county's chief public defender, but that she had never met Northington in person or offered her legal advice. However, Northington told DailyMail.com that she now regrets that interview. That was a big misunderstanding on my part, and I was kind of the victim of some kind of fake news, she said. Hopefully that's been straightened out now, and people are understanding of that. On January 31st, just five days after the Banfield interview, she was arrested for criminal trespassing in Spokane. 
She spent the next 24 days in jail before being transferred to the jail in Coeur d'Alene, her former hometown, where Mogan and Gonsalves also previously lived. Northington being held on a $100,000 bond and says she is trying to keep to herself most of the time. Just kind of hang out with myself, try to stay in my cell and read, she said. I'm just trying to get through this. Northington said she needs therapy but isn't getting any while in custody. Unfortunately, that is just how it works in jail. And in my opinion, that's a big problem. If people go into jail with a drug addiction, there should be therapy and stuff inside of that jail so that these people can get off of these drugs so that when they're put back out into society, well, that they can function like the rest of us. Because when there's no programs and there's no resources in these jails, the people are just going to go back out into the streets and do what they were doing previously. And we're just going to have to keep paying for it as taxpayers over and over and over again. That doesn't seem like good business to me. And I'll never understand how people don't get the concept that when people go to jail, we should be trying our best to rehabilitate them so that when they come back out, they don't commit crimes in your community. But instead, you have people that are like, oh, just throw them in jail. Get rid of the keys. We don't need any kind of programs in jail. Let them sit there for 24 hours a day and think about it. And in some cases, that's legitimate. When we're talking about some kind of vile killer or something like that, hey, I'm all for it. But if people are going to get re-released back into society, I think it would serve us all well to make sure that those people are rehabilitated. She also can't discuss her daughter's murder case with fellow inmates because of a gag order imposed by the judge that extends to the victim's families. I could talk about my feelings, my loss, but I can't talk about what happened, she said. It's the worst place to be when you're going through something like this. It's the worst place possible that I could possibly be. Her cell gets unlocked during the day when she's allowed to hang out in an adjoining rec room where there's a TV. It's really hard going through what I'm going through when the case is plastered all over the place, she said. I haven't watched any news. The last thing I heard was on Entertainment Tonight that they were going to demolish the house. She said neither of her surviving children have reached out to her since her arrest, but she still wants to be strong for them once she does get out. And those kids are probably going through all kinds of pain. Never mind the fact that their sister was brutally murdered. Well, their mom doesn't want to get sober and be there for them either. So that has to be a lot for these kids. And I've seen it with my own relatives. It's not an easy thing for a kid to come to the realization that his mom or dad is more interested in getting high than they are in raising their child. It is a gut punch and no child should ever have to go through that. She is seeking to enter a treatment program that would provide therapy as well as services to help her secure a job. Obviously, I need treatment and I need psychiatric counseling because of what happened, she said. I just want to get sober for Zana and my other two living kids, she added. She has a little brother who needs me and her older sister just lost her best friend and her sister, so she doesn't need to lose her mom too. And my son doesn't need to lose his mom either. Well, I hope that Kara Northington takes all of this to heart and that this is the last time that she's going to have to navigate the choppy waters of this addiction problem. But she has a long road. And hopefully that therapy is going to be available for her when she gets out of prison. But the fact of the matter is this. No matter what kind of resources are available, no matter what kind of therapy is offered, Kara Northington's going to have to do the work. 
So hopefully the motivation of her children being in her life is enough to get her over that hump. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this one. All of the information that goes with the episode can be found in the description box.